1: God's so blue but
0: birds
1: are singing. I got nothing to do. Hey, hey, hey,
0: ksl greenhouse information and great talk about your home garden and your lawn if you love perennials can't get enough help on landscape design or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest free grab a pen it's the ksl
1: greenhouse on ksl news radio
2: Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Ton Bettis with you this morning. We'll be taking your calls at 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. And you can also text us at five seven five zero zero. If you're going to be out in the yard today, you're going to have to bundle up. It's going to be a cold one.
1: It is, but we're not supposed to have any precipitation. So I'm hoping that if folks need to get out and work, that... Just the very act of walking around, moving things, raking, makes you warm.
2: Yeah. Sometimes I start with a coat and then I have to go down to a sweatshirt because I just get all sweaty. Yeah.
1: So part of fall cleanup is a lot of times people will de-junk their garages and yards. Mm -hmm. And once in a while, you can come upon lumber inexpensively the very inexpensive or for free, you know, checking Craigslist or our own KSL.com, the classified's on there and looking for that because it's a great time to actually build and install raised beds if we can do it before the ground freezes because all the materials are there you can get it all ready and just be ready to go for spring. We don't often think about it, but you can do a lot in the yard in the fall, and this is one of them.
2: One of those things that you can do. Uh, let's first of all talk about why would somebody want to, other than it seems to be super popular right now, to create these raised beds. What are the the benefits of, of creating raised well, beds? The
1: benefits are that, especially if you're getting along in age a little bit or have limited abilities, you can build raised beds that make it a lot easier to garden. There's um for retirement homes and folks in wheelchairs, you can build a style of raised bed that looks like a rectangle, but it has a half circle say, shape cut out in the middle of it so that you can move a chair and reach oh, everywhere in the bed. And wow. some of the, Newer ones I've even been seeing have this style, and they've been built up off the ground so that you have about a foot of soil, and then it's just like a table underneath, and you can slide right under and then just reach everywhere. And so there's the advantage that if you have limited mobility or just limited abilities, you can build a raised bed that allows you to garden.
2: I love how creative people have gotten. I don't know if it's just the whole social media sensation, but I I love looking at the videos at how people have created different types of raised beds and containers in their gardens. And
1: the other reasons you would build one include that your soil is so rocky that you can't really work it with a tiller or shovel. Mm. It's super salty or somehow contaminated, or you just don't have a lot of room and so As a part of the ornament of, say, a deck or a patio, you're putting raised beds around the deck or patio to grow plants in so that you have a space to do that. But let's say that you have the advantage of, say, you have land, you know, a fifth of an acre, quarter acre, whatever it is, raised beds usually are not any more productive than just traditional gardening right in soil. And so there can be a disadvantage because raised beds can cost a lot of money. And if you have full movement and can go out and do it, if you garden just in your regular soil, it's far less expensive and, you know, plant for plant, you're going to usually get very similar yields. Okay.
2: But let's talk about weeds because a lot of reasons people don't like to garden is because they have to weed. Are these better when it comes to weeds? It's
1: easier to pull the weeds out and initially they will be weed free, but between irrigation so the first water and maybe yes, you might make it all the way through yes, this season. But you've got wind and irrigation water that will blow weed seeds in mm-hmm. and even animals sometimes birds. birds whatever it is and they eventually get weeds in them, but it's easier because the soil is loose to pull the weeds out uh-huh. of your raised
2: beds. So what do we need to think about when we're thinking about soil for raised beds?
1: Uh, I would just go with commercial mix because you can mix your own, but it's usually actually less expensive to buy it pre-mixed and just bring it home. And you can buy it in compressed bales. You can buy it in bags. Or a lot of many retailers will also sell it in bulk. You know, if you go to a local garden center that has some size to it, chances are they have a bulk bin that they can just scoop it into your truck or trailer with a shovel with a big
2: Tractor. There are so many different names on the commercial bags. Are we looking for garden mix? Or what? What exactly should raised we be look? Raised bed mix. Okay, should actually say raised bed mix. Yes,
1: or outdoor garden mix. But you want something intended for raised beds, and so it's going to be more dense than potting soil, but more similar to potting soil than your native soil. If you put native soil in a raised bed, oftentimes it becomes compacted. And hard to garden with, especially if it isn't connected to the ground. If you are using your native soil and it's fairly well drained, you would use a one to one mix by volume of compost mixed into your native soil so it's really uh, well drained and you can do that and then every year you mix another two to three inches of compost in just to keep it fresh and Mm -hmm. you may eventually get to the point you can do one or two inches but if you're going to do native soil it needs to be well drained and you use a lot of compost every year to keep it well drained.
2: The other deterrent to actually doing this for me would be like I'm going to have to redo my sprinklers.
1: You may. You may. You know, a lot of times raised beds initially are just hose water. Do you put a water wand on and go water them? But if you want to put drip into them, you may need to redo your irrigation or what you might be able to do if your main line is close to where your raised beds are, is just take a T off of the main line and put a valve in, wire it into your clock on a separate program or its own clock And just go that route if you can get um, uh, something off your main line in your yard or if they're small raised beds, you might be able to take a hose right off a spigot from your house Mm. and put a battery operated clock on that and run that through your drip.
2: Right. But drip irrigation is the way to go.
1: It is. Sometimes, depending on what you're growing, you can use what are called micro emitters that will spray water. But it's still, even though they're spraying water, is considered more of a part of a drip system.
2: Okay. So what is what is it that people do wrong? What is the first thing that they do or the biggest thing that people do wrong when they want to construct a raised bed? They
1: don't build them deep enough. Six inches is minimum, but a foot is a lot better. Mm-hmm. So you want at least a foot of depth. And then the other one is they'll try to skimp on the raised bed mix. You know, a lot of times, you know, if they're really deep, you know, 18 inches, two feet, people will put branches in the bottom and things. And that's probably okay. But you don't want to fill them with rocks and then put the raised bed mix on top if you can avoid it. Uh, And so I just would get them and don't skip on the soil, skimp on the soil and don't skip on the depth.
2: The other benefit that I think of when I think of raised beds like this um, is that it's easier if you want to extend your gardening season to actually put some low tunnels together. It
1: is. And so you can just screw brackets to the sides of the raised beds. And if you're using fiberglass poles or PVC pipe, either way, you can just put the fiberglass poles or PVC into the brackets on the side of the bed and then just put the plastic over there and secure it and then what you would do is just do one side almost like it's hinged if you need to get into it so you can lift one side up that's one method but you don't have to do that you can there's all sorts of ways to do this but a lot of people will put brackets so that it just holds everything in
2: place yeah and if people want to see exactly how to do that we do have a video that we did put up that we did shoot with Sheridan. Yes. About extending your gardening on Our YouTube season. channel. Yeah, probably the easiest place to find that one would be on the KSL Greenhouse YouTube channel. So check it out there. You can also uh, find a fact sheet and pictures on how to construct a raised bed garden on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page right now. We'll take your calls and questions when we come back. Phone lines are open. Number to call 801 575 8255. You can text us at 57500.
1: I'm Dave Cawley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold.
2: Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you, taking your calls, 801-575-8255. Good time to get your calls in. The phone lines are open. You can also text us your questions if you're a little shy. Next texter says, their onions are still in the ground. Are they okay to leave for a while, or should they pull them?
1: Well, they're okay to leave, but they may try to start growing in February, March, and Mm. you would lose quality So what I would recommend doing, excuse me, hiccups again, is get them out of the ground and you want to store them at 70 degrees for a couple of weeks until they develop that papery skin on them. Mm -hmm. When you rub them together, it kind of just sounds like paper rubbing together and then store them right above freezing and that will help them last longer. It also depends on the kind, because if they are storage onions, they're going to be a lot better either way. But if they planted sets, then those generally only last a few months and they're going to need to get them out of the ground and use them because they don't generally store well.
2: Okay. Uh-oh. Someone still has their pruners out. Uh, this person oh, no. would like to know if it's the best to trim the bushes around their house now or in the spring.
1: Nah, in the spring is the better time. Just put the pruners away. You can cut any dead or diseased wood out of all your trees and shrubs at any time. Any, and if there's things causing a hazard, you know, is there a limb that may fall on your house? Or is there a limb obstructing the view of you getting out of your driveway you know, or a limb growing over the sidewalk that people hit their heads on. Those can come out too, but generally you're going to wait until mid-January for shade trees and then for trees and shrubs between mid-February and mid-March, depending on the species.
2: So when people really want to do some trimming now, why shouldn't they do that? What's the reason?
1: It The trimming stimulates growth. And even though the plants won't send any growth out, it does reduce the hardiness of every wound that you've made through pruning. And it will take anywhere from a month to six weeks for those wounds to finally harden off. And some species are going to be a lot more sensitive than others. And so I've seen my fruit growers out trimming their tart cherry trees lightly. You know, what they're doing is going through and just doing some Mm pre-cutting And then they'll go in and start again in January. But some species are more tolerant than others. But of all the trees I see, the peaches and sweet cherries are really sensitive to it. And I've seen people go in and prune in October. And then all of a sudden we get really cold. And the next spring, the trees are 50 or 70% dead. And so it is species dependent, you know, walnuts aren't as sensitive to it. And so I used to work for a maintenance crew in college that we did a lot of uh, tree maintenance on or a lot of fall home maintenance Mm -hmm. on model homes. And we were paid to go in and prune everything in the fall. I knew we shouldn't have been. But, you know, when you're a starving student, you do what you need to do to bring home the money. And so all of these homes, we would do this fall pruning and we had come back and everything seemed to be okay. It wasn't ideal. And so it's not that you're going to kill things outright, but there are a few things like peaches and sweet cherries that are quite sensitive to it. And so generally just prune at the proper time between mid-January and mid-March, depending on the species.
2: Okay. Scott is on the line in Ogden. Good morning, Scott. What was your question?
1: Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking
0: my call. I've got. I own a home up in Ogden that's near Weber State, so it's kind of on the the eastern side. The uh, it's a rental that we have, but the soil is like totally sand. You you don't even have to step on a shovel to dig a hole with it. Um, with our lawn that's back there, uh, it's kind of they tried to seed it in, and of course, uh, I don't think there was any way that they could water enough to have that take root and that was our problem then when the drought became a problem we basically kind of let it go but my question is what would be a way I could rehab that uh, understanding it might take a couple of years uh, to improve the soil to where uh, I can get a lawn that doesn't take an excessive amount of water it's a it's also a large lawn it's It's probably 200 feet by a hundred feet.
1: Well, you know, that sandy soil is problematic. My parents live in an area in Davis County with lots of sand. That's Hill Air Force Base sandbar coming off. And then I know Weber, I'm familiar with the area. And I, if you were going to go in and revamp things, I would probably reduce the size of the lawn if you're going to start over And put in shrub beds that you can put compost or mulch over the top of to help hold water in and revert those areas to drip. And then on the lawn itself, if you're going to just renovate everything, lots and lots of compost gets tilled into the soil before you put seed or sod down. And that compost, as it breaks down, will help hold water. But then you may need to go in two or three times a year and put down a quarter to a third of an inch of finely ground compost over the top of the lawn and water it in to help it out. But that sand, you can somewhat change the water holding capacity so it'll hold a bit more, but it's always going to be a problem. And so the other thing you may do is look at maybe something like turf-type tall fescue that roots more deeply and can draw water from deeper in the soil, and then irrigate, if you're still stuck to twice a week, then irrigate twice a week for maybe 20 or so minutes, 30 minutes, and then cut it off because the water just seeps through anyway. But those would be a few things, but there isn't going to be a miracle cure.
0: Yeah. So, um Should I take up the grass that's there now and kind of start over or just put uh, the mulch and that on top of the existing?
1: You would kill it if you put that much mulch on it. You'd kill the grass. Yeah.
0: So that'd be okay then. Well,
1: at that point, you're going to have to till it in because you would just, that grass, if you're putting more turf on top of it, it would create a barrier that water wouldn't penetrate through and roots wouldn't yeah. penetrate through. So it's got to come out if you're going to start over yeah. or at least be tilled in.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that was my question.
1: Right. I appreciate it very much. Scott, thanks oh, so much. Oh, I know what it was. break and so We're going to have to hold you through.
2: Hang on a second, Scott. Yeah, we need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. We'll be back with more on the KSL Greenhouse Show.